you had the chance, would you change the world? Welcome. I am your host, Ebony Gustav, and this is Cooperative Journal, where I interview mutual aid initiatives and cooperatives from around the world who are creating alternatives to our current economic system. Horta Intelligente, or Intelligent Garden, promotes environmental education to children in the oldest favela in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. As a volunteer-run initiative, they collectively create new ways of inhabiting and relating to the city through agroecology, art, community-based education, and creating spaces for cultivating food. In this episode, I speak with project partner and environmental engineer Lorena Portela about the history of favelas and their current state, how founder Elish Oliveira received the funds to get started at just 18 years old, how to get people in the community to see value in environmental care, innovative projects like turning cooking oil into an all-purpose soap, and more ways they are bringing nature and sustainability to an urban, underserved community. Hello, Lorena. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, There's so much value, I find, in cultivating a connection with nature, especially for children, but it's so difficult to do so in an urban environment. So I'd love to learn about the work that Horta Inteligente is doing to bridge that gap. So can you please start off by explaining what Horta Inteligente is and the inspiration behind its development? Hi, it's a pleasure being here. And well, Horta Inteligente, it's a project in Morro da Providência. Morro da Providência is the first favela in the city of Rio de Janeiro, the, the oldest one. Uh, I think it, this favela started 120 years ago um, and has a close connection with uh, colonization history in Brazil, the colonization period, and slavery and our warmth. And by the time that we were changing to a republic. And Orta Inteligente started from a young woman called Elisângela, and she's my friend. And nowadays we work together in this project. But when she started, she was just 18 years old. And when she was a teenager, about 13 years old, she came from another state of Brazil, in the Nordeste of Brazil, the state of Bahia. Uh, and in this place, she lived with her mother and her three or four brothers in an agriculture uh, location. But like many, many families here in Brazil, um, there's no much perspective of work and access to education uh, and job opportunities. So a lot of families and people came from these uh, regions of Brazil to the capitals, to the urban centers like Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro. And so uh, did his, her family. 
and they came to Providência. Because when a, a, a family arrives in a big city, uh, it's really expensive to pay for a rent or something like that. And the favelas are a place where you can build or rent a house with a low prices. But when she came, she was really, really shocked. She was like 13 years old and the context of violence uh, in, in a favela is much different from the uh, agriculture location in, in Brazil. And also she, she has, has that background uh, of doing agriculture with her family as part of life. Uh, so they cultivate some of their foods in, in their garden and that was just normal. It's really different from thinking about, uh, the, thinking about agriculture perspective, urban agriculture, when we are grow, we're growing city and we go uh, look for a more natural life or more contact with nature. That was just part of her life. And she had this uh, sensitive, uh, she really wanted to do something for the children of this new place where she uh, arrived because she, uh, she knew the importance of having a childhood in contact with nature and animals and ba basic stuff but we only have uh, we don't have nothing like that in a context of favela out of uh, people, uh, the children have the chance to play in the sea, in playing the streets. We don't have much contact with uh, trees and birds and things like that. So uh, she decided to start that project and she received like a mentoring. I don't know if that's the word, the exact word, but uh, like a support uh, financial support by uh, um, a project of the of Rio de Janeiro, of, uh, the administration of the, the, the Rio de Janeiro city. In the, in, it was like a prize. She, she passed through uh, a program and she was one of the final selected. So it was not given. She had to learn how to wrote and plan a project. And she received uh, a little bit of money to start. It's like, I don't know, 10 mil reais in 2016 when she started. Maybe it's something like um, $2,000, something like that. Not very much. And with this first money, uh, she started to grow uh, a small gardening in a place in, a favela, in the favela and it started with her mother to give uh, as a volunteer classes, environmental education classrooms in a school, a public school in Providencia neighborhood. And she keep doing that for uh, two years, even without money. And uh, a few months later, I, sta I, I, end I, I, I started to, to cooperate with this project. We met and I, I, 
I am an environmental engineer, so I I started to to contribute, and we became really friends. I in the beginning I helped in the gardening, but then uh, when the project had no more money to rule, we we keep the two of us doing these classrooms, these classrooms with the little children between three and five years old in this school uh, of Providence, in this public school in Providence. And uh, since 2016, we've been trying to access small projects and, 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 and doing crowdfundings and uh, trying ways, learning ways to arise money to keep the, the projects running. And by this time, we also, now we have other partnerships in Providencia. So now Horta Inteligente is not more a project of me and Elisangela, but also uh, with another woman that do this, uh, a really uh, similar uh, project that we do in Providencia. Uh, her name is Alessandra. She's also lives in Providencia. And now we are working together because she also do this project with uh, uh, environmental education and agroforestry in the same favela. Uh, that's it for start, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> wow, that was very in-depth. I love that you gave the background of, um, what's your partner's name, the one that founded Elisangela, Elise. We called her Elise. Elise, Elise like okay. a nickname. Yeah, so just coming from the background of having that connection to nature and knowing how important it was to her development and because not having access to nature in an urban environment definitely has an effect on your mental development and your uh, critical thinking skills and just, you know, the healing that you get from putting your hands in the dirt, having that outlet. Um, and just to clarify, because people might not know what a favela is, can you explain what a favela is? <laughs> yes. Um, let's see. It's the first time that I'm going to do that in English, but I'll try. Uh, we have um, in urban context in every city in the world, the periphery zone. So sometimes, uh, even in Brazil, it depends of the city, depends of the city. So in Sao Paulo state, for example, it's a big city, bigger than Rio de Janeiro, more urbanized, but poor people, people that have no income to rent, to live in, in the center of the city, they will leave, they will sleep, work in the center, but they will sleep in the periphery zone. But in Rio de Janeiro, because of his uh, geographer characteristics, we have a lot of hills in in the middle of the city, all over the city, and in like uh, twenty twenty no uh, uh, 
100, 130 years ago, when slavery was declared, uh, slavery was banned, and we were the last country to do that. Uh, and we just did, we just did that because of England's pressures, uh, because of the changes in the commerce and and all that. But which was not a process that uh, the people get organized and did. So it was uh, from uh, up to down. And when this happened in Brazil, all these. Uh, thousand and thousand uh, people was just abandoned with no rights and no no support and all these people have no place to go so they started to occupy these hills and because no one <laughs> would like to 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 live in a hill now in Rio de Janeiro there are uh, hills with uh, a lot of forests and we can pay uh, uh, a big house like I mentioned to live in that but in like uh, some time ago there was a lot of space in the city and that was the the worst place to access water and get up and down all the time with no transport so people with no income went to these places but with no structures no sanitation system, no, nothing. And uh, with their own hands, this person, and no, not only slavery person, but also these immigrants, so person that came, people that came from other parts of uh, Brazil, of these big regions trying to find job and survive. So all these movements, uh, with all this movement, the favela started to to grow in Rio de Janeiro, São Paulo, and other big cities. But in Rio de Janeiro, we have this specific uh, situation because it's in the middle of the city. Like in, in in even in rich parts of the city, we have favelas. That's because we also see the violence a lot in Rio de Janeiro uh, because it, we cannot. Uh, close our, our eyes to it because we are always uh, we are always getting in contact with this as we cross the streets or we are we take a car to go to another neighborhood i think i think that's it yeah <laughs> so essentially it was a place of a refuge from people that were enslaved. They would go there and squat the land, take it over, build their houses there. But then there was no infrastructure to support them. So no um, sanitation services. And I know that's one of the things that you guys actually promote is recycling and um, garbage pickup. So is that not even, is that available now? Do they now come and pick it up or how do they deal with waste in the beginning uh, people did all these structures with their own hands but uh, as past uh, as time was passing the public power the, the government arrived in some of these areas so yes there is light and sanitation systems in many many favelas in Rio de Janeiro 
because we're talking about uh, in Morro da Providência, Favela of Providência, we have around 16,000 people, but there, there are favelas with 20,000 people. So we are really talking about uh, small cities or uh, a neighbor, entire neighborhood. So uh, we have these services, but at the same time, we have a lot of uh, informality. And the services does not arrive the same the same way as in other parts of the city. So, for example, in Morro da Providência, even though it's in the center of the capital, when there's no water in the city, it's one of the it's the first place where the the water is over, because people are not treated as citizens as in in other parts of the of the city. Uh, so what we do is like a pedagogical work. We don't have a structure, not even to grow food for nourishing at everybody in the favela. And also the sanitation experiences we have, they are uh, local. They are in a in a, the space you cultivate food in the house of of one uh, one person, but they serve as examples. And because when we are, uh, I don't like to say vulnerability context. I don't I, I don't like we don't have this uh, posture to victimize people. People are living their lives, but with low incomes and with priorities that diverse a lot of my priority, for example, because I, medium, I am a medium class uh, person um, and I can look to, to ecological sanitation and urban agriculture uh, as a value. But when people have another priorities, they will only do that when they, they, uh, they know, they, they observe, by experience that that makes sense for making their life better and not because we have to protect our mother earth <laughs> so what we try to do uh, day by day it, it is, it's it's a longer term process so what we try to do is is doing our example and try to 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 build this small experience of cooperative cooperativism of collaboration so with this ecological sanitation system uh, we call that bacia de evapotranspiração i don't know uh, evapotranspiration bay it's a system uh, that we use bananas to make the trade the the toilet treatment and when we did not invented that we we have these in many permaculture initiatives and all around brazil but we did that in a favela in the favela of providencia we did one and, and in, by this time when we did that during three days of uh, this cooperative laboratory there was some people that live there, people from university. And so we, we made uh, opportunity of, of uh, learning together. But we, we, we cannot say that we are making a, a big revolution, but we really believe in the things we do, even though they are small. And the same thing with uh, 
growing food uh, with no poison in an ecological way inside the favela. There are many uh, urban agric agricultural experiences in favelas in Rio de Janeiro nowadays. They are growing and we are in contact with, the, with them. We are also learning to to work as uh, in partnership and as this big web and we learn from our our own experience from each other but in so there there are contexts with when they have space uh, enough space to grow more food in our case we have a small space so one of our agroforestry area the, the space where we cultivate this this food it's in the major uh, entering entrancing of the of the Morro da Providência. So to access Morro da Providência, to access the, the stairs to the favela, to all the, the houses, people have to pass to through this area with a lot of trees and and, and food that are growing. And we made this with uh, places to play, a place to city, to city, and beautiful things. So people uh, can start to be proud of the place they live. And if, if when people also see that they can pick up the food in the place of uh, just see garbage. This also made a small difference, but we, when we did the, we pass, when we did this, this, when we, we did the installation of this big system, which was in 2019, two, three years ago, it was exactly uh, May, in the days four, five, and six of May in 2019. <laughs> so it has been two years now. Time to go fast. <laughs> and so we, we spent three days doing this, this work and a lot, a lot of, of uh, children and people from uh, the Providencia were with us helping as they see that we are throwing the garbage away and growing food. It was a beautiful action. Uh, and, but it was a, a punctual action. And now what we do is be with children, not in this pandemic context, but uh, after doing this, uh, doing this planting day, we started to be with the children uh, weekly to keep cultivating and removing the garbage because they are, the garbage always come back. So that's another uh, really important uh, circumstances when we're talking about urban agriculture in a favela context. Sanitation, the relation with garbage and the relation with soil and food, they are really straight because the access of water is the access of uh, potable water and the, the, all the systems to, to make that water go away after we use it, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> 
So we are all in, we're always in contact with this and we have to deal with this. And the garbage, the same thing, because the service to keep the garbage, it, not, it doesn't work properly in a favela. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about it being a privilege for you to care about uh, food waste and garbage because you're middle class, but for someone that is a lower income, for them, it's like they're just trying to survive, so they don't have time to think about that. And so you're, but by getting them involved with uh, the creation of a solution for their basic needs, like having access to clean water or having uh, a space that is beautiful that isn't full of garbage, once they see those changes and are a part of the process, then I feel like that's an incentive for them to continue to do it. But just telling them you should pick up your trash doesn't always work. They don't really reciprocate that. Um, and I'm curious to know what other ways you engage with and teach the community. Other things that we do in our project let's see we do uh, these also relate, related with garbage uh, caminhada inteligente it's like a, a smart walk <laughs> we can translate as a smart walk and that was a Elish idea the this girl that created the project and like a once uh, a month or three times in a year, we use it to do that. We, we did that a lot before the, the pandemic. So we uh, talked with volunteers and that's another really important part of the project. We learned that, I learned that with Elise too, that it's really important to, to call volunteers that do not live in, in a favela and maybe uh, had never the chance to be in one because it's like a separated part, uh, area of the city. So it's not common that uh, I, I, I wasn't born in a favela, so I, I only uh, went there because I started to work. But it's not a place that I, I, I would go. So as volunteer, we, we can go and interact and, and learn from this experience and also offer our, uh, our work. So we, uh, we like uh, put together 10 volunteers with really garbage, big garbage, uh, how we call, we call garbage? Yes, exactly. And, and we started to circulate in every corner of the of Molda Providencia just picking up garbage, recyclable garbage, uh, especially pet that we, this bottle, plastic bottle, we picked this to do uh, recipients to grow food, to grow plants. So we picked it up and we did all, we completed this, this, this cycle. So it was also a pedagogic action. We picked up garbage bottle uh, plastic bottles and then we wash them uh, and did with the children in school these uh, these recipients to to grow food uh, 
And that was a really beautiful action because uh, <laughs> the people in Providencia in their houses, they, they went to really, at the same time, they were really ha ha happy to help to give their garbage. They doesn't understand a lot. What are you doing? So it was also always a, a moment, opportunity to talk about what we were doing, our project, why we were doing that. And it was, in, it was like a, a, a play, a, 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 a way of being playing with the children. So children were really happy to do this, like to to find garbage and pick up and it, it, it was like a joyful way to do this environmental education uh, ideas that we have. And since we started the, the pandemic, we, we had to, to stop this action, but it was always a good days of work. And I think I think that that was is one, and now we are also uh, building our a new place to us in in Morro da Providência, because all our all all the things we have we could uh, buy uh, materials and uh, things to to do the gardening. We put that in a place that was for not church and it, it was not our space and we were in need to to have our own place and to keep doing this classroom for children and also do and, and also be able to do more activities with the mothers. So we know that women are not only in Brazil, but uh, women are in charge of uh, of the families, especially in in this vulnerability context. So they all they also have uh, they are in need of uh, of activities and things to to live with um, more quality. So we also uh, were thinking about offering activities for the mothers and women that are in care of the children, like yoga classes or food, natural uh, food classrooms. And we, need a space, we needed a space to do that. So uh, in, I think it's been 18, six or 18 months from now, we started to, to build this small class small space, a construction in a, our area of Providencia. Uh, we received some donations and we started to, to, to build this area. And I think in three months, maybe it will be ready and we will start to, to, to do these classes with all the care because we, we don't know how it's gonna be the pandemics the next months but uh, in this by this time you are also helping in the distribution of uh, food so like people are in, in hungry the situation the crisis here is 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 really is tough because we don't have we're we're not receiving the support of government 
and people don't, don't have a job. So even in big cities, people, even in a favela where people are not miserable, there are favelas with miserable situations, but in Providencia, people work, have maybe sometimes they, they, they have their stuff. It's not like a extreme vulnerable situation. But even now, uh, Hungary is, is present, is more present in, in, in the biggest cities, more than before. Uh, for long years, we, we didn't see that. So people really need of this basic stuff, emergency stuff. And now we are also helping to distribute this, this food. And, and also, uh, in the end, uh, Alessandra, that's our, this, our partner in the project, she also uh, last year built uh, 75, um, these I'll have to translate in Google, the place where we wash our hands. Uh, yeah, she built uh, 75 public sinks through Providencia to help people to get to wash their hands because the water is not uh, uh, available all the time. And, and also maybe sometimes uh, we have to pay, right? people have to, to pay taxes for this water. So we don't use a lot when we don't have money. So to, uh, to make it available and make that, uh, make to be able to make possible that people can wash their hands uh, without thinking if they ha will have money to pay for the water, she did this. So she got a lot of donations and she did this beautiful uh, action by her own with a few helpers. Uh, and as pandemic goes on, we now need to rebuild these, these sinks because they, they are uh, all the time being used and uh, most of them are not available right now. So that's another action that's directly uh, related to environment, but also with sanitation and this emergency context that we are living right now. Wow, you guys are doing so much incredible work. And I love the idea of getting mothers involved because if the mother who's generally the head of the household, they're the one that's generally taking care of the children and making sure the house is, um, is okay, if their well-being is not in sync, if it's not in balance, then that will have an effect on the children. So having that... Um, having tangible resources for both the mother and the child, I think is so important to have that um, unified. And I, I was also going to ask you how you guys um, get adults involved, but um, I think the sink thing is incredible. I just want to comment on that. <laughs> That's so incredible. And it's crazy that you not only don't have access to water all the time in the favela in a city, but you also have to pay for it. <laughs> you have to pay a tax to even use it. It's like just 
you guys are reminding people of um, that they should have free access to their basic rights to have access to food, have access to water and community. And so how do you guys get adults involved? Have you found that adults reciprocate this knowledge? And especially during the pandemic where you said a lot of people are out of jobs and they're hungry, how have have you seen that people have been gardening more, that they care more about self-sufficiency? Mm. It's a, like I said, it's like a, a medium long term process. So we had good experience, uh, important, not good because there's nothing good about all these we are living, but we have important experience with these, these uh specific situation of pandemic Uh, but before the pandemic what we did and that's why uh, Elise always uh, uh, always did these uh, directions to her project why children why work with children because it's really tough to change uh, the mind of an adult person not because they're in favela but (laughs) <laughs> it's more different to 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 talk and and people are not that open and maybe people pass through really tough uh, things in life and they won't believe it, that changes are possible or they are doesn't just doesn't care to do things different. But when we're working with children and they are having fun and that starts uh, growing up, up uh, do the recycle, do the recycling or growing uh, a food, uh, putting the seed in the soil and see that grow when they, they get involved with that and, and that became came important to, to them. They will uh, talk to their parents. They, they will see that their parents throwing garbage in the, in the, in the street and they will say you cannot do that and they will uh, they will ask for ah can we have a planter uh, in our home do you know that we can pick this this tomato seed and put in the soil that we grow so uh, through the children we can arise we can arrive in the adults the mother in the family and that really happened because when we uh, have this uh, opportunities to converse, to to talk with the mothers, uh, they 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 say that to us. They they gave this uh, feedback, saying, ah, "I started to to grow uh, plants in my house because my my children asked me." So that was uh, our our way to 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 do that work. Another. Uh, strategy <laughs> that was run by Alessandra that is the the person in charge of these sinks this public sinks right now uh, she did for three four years uh, the production and distribution of soap the soap that we can made with uh, oil with recy- the recycled of oil 
the oil that we used to cook uh, in kitchen. So what she did was uh, people, uh, the neighborhoods had to bring their oil in cans. so they won't throw it away in the soil or in the sink directly. And she made the soap, uh, recycled, made, made the soap by her own because she's uh, amazing in phytotherapy and she understands everything, all, all about that. So she did and she gave for free the soap. And it's a really good soap that can be used not uh, to wash, uh, to, to have a shower, but to wash the, the clothes, to wash the floor, to how, to all things relating to cleaning the housing, for housing. And she did that for uh, three, four years before the pandemic. And that was a way to, to say, uh, although we live in a society, in a world that everything is like, uh, is, is easy to, to just, uh, throw things away the oil to receive the soap you have to 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 bring that to me and you you can you have to always bring the same can so they can when the soap was armazinated because we have like a we have to armazinate in a can when we have in our homes our soap to wash the clothes and everything so people have to come always with the same so she she could refill the the soap. It's small uh, actions. It's a small thing, but it 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 changes the, the uh, our minds. Like uh, things uh, like things happen in the world because we're in an automatic uh, way of seeing things. We 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 just buy in the supermarket, and that's with everybody. Not because we're in a favela. It's a it's our disease of her time so she could do that job in in every place but she was she is doing that in the place that she lives uh, and when pandemic we started the pandemic she doubled tripled the production of the soap so uh, in the last uh, 14 months since march 2020 she produced um, 18,000 liters of soap, 18,000 by her own, and distributed that uh, every every week in in five eight places, different places of Providencia, freely to to the to to people and people and everything uh, she did with the oil, the recycled oil that came from Providencia. So it's a really beautiful uh, work, and I'm only talking about that. I'm, I have nothing related to that. Is, is she? But she is is our partner, and uh, at the same time that this has this uh, environmental and, and education dimension, it has been it's been really really important in this pandemic moment because this this soap is also used in the sinks in the public sinks and also used to wash the streets in in, in, a favela, in the favela in the house of, of uh, in their houses so this minimal uh, protocols of 
cleaning the environment sometimes if you don't have money to to pay for that to pay for alcohol we use soap but sometimes it's in many many places even access water and soap is is difficult and that's it. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so I'll definitely put her organization in the show notes because what she's doing is so incredible. And to <clears throat> it's completely changing people's perspective. And that gives you an opportunity to inform them. Because once they bring the oil, then they're like, why would you want this? Why can't I just throw this in the sink or throw it in the grass? And then that gives you an opportunity to educate them like, no, that's actually harmful to our environment. And then they get to see it as something that's multifunctional. They're like, oh, okay, it doesn't have to go to waste. It can be used for this new thing that's also multifaceted because I can use it to wash my hands, wash my dishes. And it's creating this circular loop um, that people are a part of and using children also as a catalyst to like change the perspective of their parents because um, like you said once they get interested in it then they get excited and they want to teach uh, whoever's around them and that also ingrains it within them because they're able to teach these skills that they've learned. So that will stick with them even more. Um, so I would love to know what advice would you give to someone that's wanting to bring environmental awareness and gardening to their neighborhood? Mm, okay. Um, I would say that uh, maybe when we see all this craziness, all the craziness we are living right now, and also um, as we have, as we grow this sense of responsibility, we, we also uh, are more aware, aware of how things are, <laughs> are difficult then we have a lot of uh, pressure uh, forces that are pressured pressing us or moving us to collapsing and sometimes it seems really tough to fight against that because there are, are really big forces so we are talking for example in brazil we are doing this small urban gardening project trying to uh, to make agroecology grow in, in the city but we also have uh, our government financing the agronegócio, these big industrial, agriculture industrial systems that are running Amazon and our forests away and that doesn't grow in food, that are also uh, killing uh, traditional communities, taking their over uh, of their, their places. So when you see all that pollution and prices and everything, it's, it seems really tough to, to, to... sometimes you think, ah, but what I'm what going to do is so small, it doesn't make a difference. So I don't know where to start. So I guess uh, when we have this, um, this feeling that we need to do something, we, we just have to do and not to be, um, 
not concerned too much with the result of that. We will do because we feel that it's the right thing to be done, but we, we cannot control uh, the result of what we, we are going to do. We can, I cannot say that we are, what we are doing right now will solve uh, the, uh, the problem, social and environmental problems of favela of Providencia, but we are uh, trying to make our life better because we are happy in doing that and we're trying to make the life uh, uh, easy or uh, more pleasure or giving more pleasure to people that uh, live close to, to us. And that's, that's enough. So we don't have to, to, to maybe sometimes we don't have to, uh, to go to like a favela in Rio de Janeiro or a poor country in Africa to do an important thing. Maybe it's, it's really uh, close to us in a neighborhood. Maybe it's just the way we, we get to, to talk and relate, re, relate to each other. So when, when I started like five years ago, there's not a long time, five, eight, nine years ago, I started to work with environmental projects in, schools I, I was in university and then I started to work in favelas all this experience I today I can say that I have a lot of ancient I was a lot of more anxious about the result of what, what I was doing or uh, we get uh, happy but we cannot do that because only because our, of our ego because we will get disappointed if that's the major uh, motivation. So now I try to do what I, I think is the right thing uh, in the moment. If that makes sense to me, I, I will keep doing. And also, I think it's really important that we, we find people that think similar to us. To us to start something like that because we, we cannot do anything alone we really need the support so I learned a lot with uh, with these two women that work with me and I I I'm really concerned about Providencia and I I love doing that but to simplificate I, I only do that because I love these two women and it's good to work with her and I said I know that uh, it doesn't matter the situation we're going to pass through. We are together, and we find a solution. And so, uh, in the end, it's about um, it's about to find this uh, your community as we are doing things that we, the things we, we think that are, are worth to be done. Uh, we don't have to uh, first shall we graduate or first shall we build organization and then i will have the structure and then i'll have the uh the utils and the all the things i need to do the difference no we are living and learning and, and doing the thing the difference and and making mistakes but uh, we are walking and i think i think that's the importance the last thing you said I think is so important and that's having a group of like-minded people that are passionate about it and that see the vision and also 
that you have that support system when you do feel down, when you feel like, wow, I'm doing all of this work and I feel like it's not really having an impact because all of these other larger disasters are happening around me. But you get inspired by the people that you're working with too. Like, wow, if she's continuing to do this work out of love, out of her heart, and it's making a difference in people's lives, then we should continue doing this work too. And I, yeah, I just see so much potential and opportunity in collective action. Because again, like you were saying, we don't need to wait to graduate or to necessarily get all of this funding that we imagine that we need if we're working cooperatively then we'll have access to the resources that we need and my last question is how do you envision a changed world and that can be broadly or through the context of the environment uh maybe in this not a universal context but in this context where I was born, Rio de Janeiro, and the places that I, I work, Morda Providencia, um, I think that it's good when people uh, look at each other and see that they can r relay on each other. So, and, and we also can look to the environment, the place we use, the resources that are close, and, 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 and know that we can rely on these resources. So even though we have uh, limitations in an urban place, in an urban structure, at the same time, we can use uh, the water that came from the rain, we can grow some food, and we are getting closer to our essence, our essence of being uh, an animal, a being in, in this planet. So I, uh, what I envision in urban uh, context like a favela is uh, the opportunity of being in, in relation with this sense that it's maybe it's easy to 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 feel that when you are in a forest but many many people won't have this uh in a uh probably uh, it's really common in a lifetime to go to a place like that so what i envision is that through co co cooperative uh, process that we can get get this connection because also what we see is that it's not only because we, we are uh, eating bad, uh, eating poisoned uh, food and we are getting uh, sick. Also mental health are really uh, bad with everybody. And through this, this contact with nature, I, I guess we have like a, a it's a way. To, to get back and to be in, and to be here and to be present like a reconciliation with earth and sometimes it seems uh, it seems that 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 way of uh, getting in contact with nature with, with 
are being in a, in a poor context, it seems that are much more different, much more difficult. But in actually, it isn't. It's only that we have to to know that these uh, that we can we can use these resources in our uh, to our own health, like putting the the food, the feet, our feet in the soil, and breathing, and so. Uh, I also envision that more mental health to, through the contact with nature. Yes, thank you. That was so beautiful. And it's especially important in an urban context because it's highly stressful. Things are going faster. There's... Um, more of a lack of resources, which really there isn't. It's just a, an illusion, <laughs> but that's how they make it seem. And so to have that outlet of getting your hands in the dirt and putting your feet in the soil and um, creating a sense of agency by growing your own food is so, so important. That's so empowering, and it is healing as well. Um and then just the healing aspect of being in community too. So you're creating community and you're building uh, that remembrance of our connection to nature. And yeah, so you're playing a big role in allowing people to remember their essence and all of our essences. So. Thank you so, so much, Lorena. This was a wonderful conversation. It was my pleasure, Ebony. I loved the questions you made and I learned a lot of our conversation too. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm on a mission to get these little known solutions out to as many people as possible. So please help me by sharing, leaving a like and a review. If you would like to stay in the loop about future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast or my newsletter at cooperativejournal.com. Because I didn't say save the world, I said change the world, improve it, make it better than we find it.